were the memoirs of Anne Bedingfeld, globe-trotting adventuress. I had just spent every penny I had in the world, except for 17 shillings, to book first-class passage aboard the Kilmorden Castle, sailing for Cape Town, South Africa. After years of drab, dull existence, I was finally having an adventure. Artists Ensemble Theatre presents Mysterious Journey, Theatre for the Mind. Anne Benningfeld's journey has taken her on a sea voyage in pursuit of a killer. From the pen of Agatha Christie, this is The Man in the Brown Suit, Part 3, Aboard the Kilmorden Castle. Dear future readers, I must pause here to introduce Sir Eustace Pedler. Our paths crossed during the course of my adventure, and he has very kindly given me permission to include excerpts from his diary. Dear diary, it is an extraordinary thing, but I never seem to get any peace. I've no desire whatsoever to be involved in sensational events, yet events happen, and if they don't actually happen to me, they happen around me, and somehow I end up being involved anyway. I detest being involved. It all began when my secretary, a ghoulish fellow named Guy Paget, awakened me at an unearthly hour. I was at my villa in Cannes when I opened my eyes to behold Guy Paget looming ominously over my bed, looking for all the world like a vampire from a gothic novel. Good morning, Sir Eustace. Don't hang over me in that way, Paget. You look ready for a funeral. Oh, then you've heard. Heard what? I was making a humorous observation about your face. You look as though your nearest and dearest were to be buried today. <laughs> Come to think of it, you always look like that. Never mind. I know how you dislike being aroused early, Sir Eustace, although it is past nine. But I thought, under the circumstances... What circumstances? This telegram, Sir Eustace. Yes, yes, I see it. Stop flapping it at me. Uh, who's it from? The police. Who oh, can't be. What's it say? A woman has been found murdered in your house. Of all the colossal cheek in my house? Not your principal residence, sir. The rental property, Mill House. Who killed her? It doesn't say. Shall I make arrangements for us to return to England? Why? The police. What on earth have I to do with the police? It was your house, Sir Eustace. Damn. I suppose there's no way of ignoring it. No, Sir Eustace. Oh, very well. Farewell, Riviera. Hello, England in January. Dear Diary, it has been four days since we returned to England's abominable winter weather, and one or two surprising things have occurred. Firstly, I ran into Augustus Milton, a complete ass who managed to achieve prominence doing something hush-hush for the crown. Milton cornered me at my club, all puffed up and oozing an air of mystery. He droned on about South Africa while I pretended to listen, all the while secretly plotting my escape. Yes, yes, to be sure. Then you'll do it! Splendid! Eh? Do what? Act as a courier for some highly sensitive government documents. What? Why? What's wrong with the post? Uh, stick on a two-penny stamp, drop them in the letterbox, and Bob's your uncle. You cannot be in earnest, Sir Eustace. The common post? Well, I suppose that's out. Quite. There should be no difficulty. It won't even take you out of your way since you were planning a visit to South Africa already. Well, I had thought of going in about a month. Perhaps you could make it this month? This week, in fact? Suppose I could. 
Don't know that I particularly want to. Do it for England. England in January would make anyone flee the country. I'm sure you'll find the climate of South Africa delightful. My dear chap, I'm well acquainted with the climate. I was there right before the war. I am greatly obliged to you, Sir Eustace. I shall send the documents by messenger. The Kilmorden Castle sails on Saturday. Saturday? But bon voyage! He shook me warmly by the hand, thanked me again, and left me to meander my way home, pondering the odd twists of fate. The very next evening, I was drowsing in my library when my butler, Jarvis, entered. Excuse me, Sir Eustace, but a gentleman has called to see you. At this hour? What's his name? He has declined to give his name. The devil, you say. Give him the boot. Very good, sir. Of all the presumption. I do beg your pardon, sir. What now? The gentleman desires me to inform you he's been sent by Mr. Milton. I knew I'd rue the day I let that man talk me into... (sighs) Admit him. This way, sir. Thank you for seeing me, Sir Eustace. I'll get straight to the point. I've been ordered to accompany you to South Africa as your secretary. My dear chap, whoever you are, I've got a secretary. The very last thing I need is another one. Oh, but I think you do, Sir Eustace. I most certainly don't. Where is this secretary of yours? Hatchet. Laid up, most inconveniently, with a bilious attack. Is he really? I suppose that might be true. What do you mean, might? No matter. I'm afraid that Mr. Milton is quite insistent that I join you for your own safety. My safety? Exactly. Naturally, my fare will be taken care of, but if you would be so good as to arrange for a passport, paperwork, and so forth... Why on earth? Oh, I say, are you some sort of secret? It would be best if you thought of me as merely your junior secretary. I knew that pompous ass Milton would drag me into deep waters. Oh, and it might be as well if you don't mention me to anyone. Would it be asking too much to know my new secretary's name? Harry Rayburn seems a suitable name. Good evening, Sir Eustace. What does that mean, a suitable name? Uh, I abhor men of mystery. Anne Bedingfeld here. The heroine is not supposed to get seasick. I was a far cry from the excited girl who had bid farewell to the Flemings. Mrs Fleming, who hadn't wanted me, didn't approve of me and was probably glad to see the last of me, had slipped me £25 when we parted. So here I was, money in my pocket, embarked on a thrilling adventure. And sick as a proverbial dog. Go away! How do you do? I'm the ship's purser. How are we doing today? You seem fine. I'm dying. Dear me, this will never do. Come on, let's get you up on deck. Too late. I'm doomed. Now, now, let's turn that frown upside down. No. Up, Daisy. Here we go. A lovely deck chair. Now we'll just tuck you in with a blanket. I hate you. No, you don't. We had rough weather there the last few days, but it's smooth sailing now. And look, the sun is shining. By the strength, I'd throttle you. I've seen people worse off than you, and two days later they were the life of the ship. However, for the present, I'll leave you to suffer in peace. The purser was a fiend from hell. Still, after a bit, I began to perk up and take a feeble interest in the other passengers. One woman in particular. You're so kind to help me out. I wonder, could you be a dear and set my deck chair right over here? 
a little to the left, a little more. Perfect. Her clothes were clearly from Paris. On second thought, I think it might be better over there. Do you mind? Oh, and uh, you there? Yes, you. Could you hold this cushion for me, please? And this one, and these two, and my hat. Thank you so much. This was a woman who knew what she wanted and got it. Adoring minions scrambling to obey her every wish. I wanted to be her, or at least to meet her. All ashore for Madeira. As a reminder, those passengers continuing on to Africa must be on board no later than four o'clock. All ashore! Sadly, I wasn't up for anything more than lying boneless in my deck chair. Excuse me, miss. I'm the deck steward, Henry. Yes? The purser ordered this chicken broth brought out special for you. Oh, I, I couldn't. Please, miss. I'll be in a heap of trouble if you don't at least taste it. I... I suppose I could try. Oh, thank you, miss. Amazingly, the broth tasted... good? Suddenly I was starving. Well done, miss. Shall I take the tray now? Yes, please. Can you tell me, who's that woman leaning on the rail? She's a pip, ain't she? The Honourable Mrs Clarence Blair. They do say she's the best-dressed woman in London. She's all over the society page. And the tall, military-looking man at her side? That's Colonel Race, miss. Explorer, big game hunter, and rich as Midas. Goodness. Thank you, Stuart. Next day, I was back in my chair. To my surprise, Mrs Blair greeted me. Hello. Feeling better? Very nearly human. Thanks. You did look terribly ill yesterday. Colonel Race and I were quite certain there would be a funeral at sea, but you've thwarted all our plans. Oh, one never knows. I may have a relapse. Don't you dare. I'm Suzanne Blair. Anne Beddingfeld. May I call you Anne? I predict that you and I are going to be great friends. Colonel Race, come and meet Anne Beddingfeld, who has defied death and returned to the land of the living. Hello. Fresh air seems to have worked a miracle. Of course it did. So much better than being shut up in a stuffy room. I do hope you're in an outside cabin, Anne. Uh, No, I... My dear girl, why don't you change it? What is that? Oh, it's done all the time. Quite a few passengers disembarked in Madeira, so there are a number of rooms available. How would I go about... Talk to the purser. He switched me to a deluxe stateroom when I first boarded. Apparently, the person who booked it never turned up, so I snagged it at once. Tackle him when you go to lunch. You're at his table. I'm not sure I'm ready. Don't be silly. Come and take a walk with me now. Ignoring my protests, Suzanne had me up on my feet and wobbling along, pathetically clinging to her arm. Colonel Race joined us. There's a splendid view of the Grand Peak of Tenerife from the after. Marvellous. Can I get a photograph, do you think? No, but that won't stop you from trying. Don't be cruel. Some of my snapshots are very good. Certainly. About three percent, I'd say. Don't you listen to him, Anne. The three of us strolled around to the other side of the deck. Oh, isn't it majestic? I simply must get a shot. To think that three weeks ago, I'd never even set foot in London. And now, here I am, gazing out of the Canary Islands. There, that's the end of this roll. Oh dear, I had the setting on flashbulb. <laughs> Stop laughing, you beast. I've got another roll of film. You're like a child with a new toy. And you, sir, are callous and unfeeling. Oh, oh, I dropped my film. Did it go in the ocean? Either that, or it brained some poor soul on the deck below. What on earth? Oh dear girl, that's the signal for lunch. Coming? I'm really not... Wait, 
I am hungry. Good. Don't forget to charm the purser into changing your cabin. At my table were two elderly ladies and the Reverend Chichester, a missionary of some kind. The purser, whom I did not hate, was perfectly ducky about my request. Of course. I'll have your things moved to an outside cabinet once. Oh, thank you. I know it seems foolish. A foolish woman is clamorous and knoweth nothing. Proverbs 9.13. Amen. Uh, quite. Was I being clamorous? Not at all. I find that scripture offers insight into even the mundane moments of life. Amen. Amen. Is this your first mission to Africa, Reverend Chichester? To South Africa, yes, but I have spent the past three years in East Africa bringing the civilising enlightenment of the church to the heathen. Whether they want it or not. I beg your pardon? I was just wondering who that man is at the captain's table. Which one? The one that looks like a villain in a melodrama? Yes, he looks like a 14th century poisoner employed by the Borgias. For shame, Miss Beddingfeld. Scripture teaches us to speak evil of no man. Right. After all, he can't help his face. I expect he's terribly upright, really. Let's hope so. That's Mr Guy Paget, secretary to Sir Eustace Peddler. Sorry, did you say Sir Eustace Peddler, the owner of the mill house? I don't know about mill house, but that is Sir Eustace next to the captain. This is Mr Paget's first appearance in the dining hall. He's been very ill. I hereby withdraw my criticism and extend my sympathies. Consider mine affliction and deliver me, O Lord. Psalms 119. Amen. I was perilously close to braining Reverend Chichester. As a matter of fact, Sir Eustace brought two secretaries with him. Two? And both men took ill at once. The other one's still in his cabin. As the good book says... I'm sure it does. Do excuse me, won't you? I believe I'll get some air. So lovely to meet you all. Having escaped the Reverend Chichester... I managed to exit close behind Sir Eustace and the baleful-looking Mr. Paget. I'll see about another cabin at once, shall I, sir? It's impossible to work in yours with all of your trunks. My cabin is A, a place for me to sleep, and B, a place for me to dress. It is not a place for you to click away endlessly on your infernal typewriter. But, Sir Eustace, I must have somewhere to work. Why? You've been malingering for days with that bilious attack. I'm not all that certain it was a bilious attack. I have my suspicions. Well, keep them to yourself. I don't wish to hear it. I'd hoped to overhear something juicy from the owner of Millhouse, but alas, not a word about murder. I went below, where I found Henry, the deck steward, overseeing the move from my old cabin. Oh, you nearly finished packing my things. How marvellous. Yes, miss. You're being moved to cabin 13. Oh, no, not cabin 13. It's frightfully silly, but I'm quite superstitious about 13. Isn't there any other cabin I could have? Number 17 is empty. I could check with the purser. Yes, please do. I'm so sorry to be so much trouble. No trouble at all, miss. Wait here. Henry was back within minutes, grinning. Number 17 is yours, miss. This way. Oh, this is perfect. I'm so grateful. What is the meaning of this? This cabin is reserved for Sir Eustace Pedler. Why, Mr Paget, is it not? 
I'm afraid you're mistaken. That's all right, sir. We're setting you up in cabin 13. It is not all right. I was to have number 17. Cabin 13 will be more convenient, I sir. I specifically requested number 17. How would Suzanne Blair deal with this? Oh, dear. How awkward. For you. Cabin 17 has been allotted to me. I'm afraid I cannot agree to that. Cabin 13's just the same, only larger. Out of the question. I demand number 17. What is going on here? Reverend Chichester. You there, steward, have my things moved to this cabin at once. What? What? This is my cabin. Please leave this immediately. This cabin happens to be allotted to Sir Eustace Pepper. I'm sorry, both of you, but this is my cabin. You are mistaken, young woman. No, Reverend, you're in number 28. You see. Proverbs 21 verse 19. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious woman. Then I suggest you seek the wilderness. This cabin is mine. Will you listen? This cabin belongs to Sir Eustace For the Lord Pepper. doth hate a false witness that speaketh lies. How Proverbs dare you, 619. sir? During the shouting, I ducked out to locate the purser. Oh, you heard him. He threatened a man Gentlemen. in the cloak. I found the purser up on the deck. Hello, miss. All settled in? Not quite, I'm afraid. You did say I could have cabin 17. That's right. Mr. Chichester and Mr. Paget are both laying claim to it. They won't leave. We'll soon see about that. I adore sailors. Don't you Standing touch me! Fight, you Quiet! Now look, you can have your choice of cabin 13 or 28. I Impossible. protest! Shut it! Either pick another cabin or stay put. This lady has 17. Steward, hold the door for the gentlemen as they leave. This is an outrage. Sir Eustace shall hear of this. Victory was mine. Once the coast was clear, I ventured onto deck once more. Anne, over here. Did you get your cabin switched? I did. There was a fearful row over it, but I just pretended to be you. Me? Suzanne Blair, she who must be obeyed. You must know you're the undisputed queen of the ship. <laughs> I rather like that. I hope it helped. It did. I'm in cabin 17 and all is well. I'll collect you for cocktail hour and see your new digs, shall I? Perfect. But it was far from perfect when I returned to dear old number 17. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, what is that smell? I started to ring for the steward when a memory clicked into place. During the war, I'd worked in a hospital dispensary. I knew that odour. Hello, Anne. I thought we could... Good heavens! What is that odour? Asafetida. I beg your pardon? It's a drug used to treat asthma. Common name, devil's dung. Are you asthmatic? No. Come in. I'd rather not. Hold your nose, breathe through your mouth, and help me find the source. What are we looking for? A small jar. (coughs) Found it. Quick, Suzanne, open the porthole. Oh, for pity's sake, Anne, throw it overboard. There. We'll leave the porthole open to air out the room. Why would anyone play such a malicious trick? To force me to vacate number 17. Darling Anne, I am dying to hear all about it, but not in here, I beg you. Wouldn't you like to bunk in with me tonight? No, thank you for the offer, but I will not be forced out of this cabin. But... I'm quite determined. Look, I'll change for dinner, very quickly, and meet you in the cocktail lounge. By the time dinner is over, the room should have aired out sufficiently to be bearable, I hope. If you're absolutely certain... I am. See you soon. Someone was determined to oust me from cabin 17. But why? Funny how that number kept cropping up. I'd sailed from Southampton on the 17th and... 
I fetched my precious paper from its hiding place. The paper dropped by the man in the brown suit in his rush to Mill House, where a woman had been murdered. I looked again at the numbers. 17.122. What if 17 meant cabin 17? What if the one indicated a time? One o'clock, making 22 the date. Tomorrow was the 22nd. At one o'clock, I was finally going to get some answers. The Man in the Brown Suit was adapted from Agatha Christie's novel. Part 4, Interlude with a Killer, is next. The cast features Sarah Waddle as Anne, Stephen F. Hurdle, Russell Constance, Ian Garthwaite, Margaret Rayther, Philip Masterton, and David A. Gingrich. When stages around the world went dark, Artist Ensemble Theatre began producing Theatre for the Mind. If you can, please consider donating to AET or become a patron by pledging monthly. Learn more at artisansemble.org. And as always, thank you for listening.